Let's bow our heads. Jesus, we invite you to be here in this church this morning. You are so important to us and we want to draw closer to you. So please send your Holy Spirit. Draw us into a deeper, deeper walk with you today. Is our prayer in your name, Jesus. Amen. I remember when I was a small boy, I think I was around about 10 years of age. We lived in the southwestern town of Dolby in Queensland. Beautiful place. My dad was the pastor of the local church there. And uh, there are a lot of things I remember about living in Dolby. I remember the floods, I remember the droughts, I, I remember the mouse plague that we had there one day. I went out and put a shoe on and there was a family of mice in my shoe. And until this day, I check my shoes before I put them on, just in case there's some mice in my shoes. There are things you remember about your childhood that you never forget. One of the things I remember about being a 10-year-old boy in the southwestern Queensland town of Dolby was a young girl who was about 12 years of age. I was 10, she was 12. I had never noticed girls before until I met this young lady. I came up in a family, I was brought up in a family of four boys. Never noticed girls before, but when I saw her, the first time I saw her, I thought this is the most divine, the most beautiful creature God has ever put on the earth. And I made it my aim to get her to notice me. I don't know what I would have done if she ever had have noticed me. But that was my stated aim, it was my goal in life. Now I belong to a youth group in our church called Pathfinders. Some of you will not know what Pathfinders is. Pathfinders is a, a young people's group not unlike scouts. Only there were both boys and girls in this Pathfinder group. And we were going up into the Bunya Mountains, a beautiful series of mountains outside Dolby, subtropical rainforest. And we were going up there this particular day to do a 20 kilometre hike. Now when we got up there, our director told us very, very strongly, he said, I'm giving you one canteen of water each. You are about to embark on a 20 kilometre hike. He said to us, be careful with your water. Now I was trying to impress this girl and I thought what better way to impress her than to take off and show her my physical prowess by coming home first in this 20 kilometre hike. And so when we started the hike, I took off like a bull out of a gate and I went flat out, flat out down the track. You know when you're working hard, you consume water. And five kilometres into that hike, I had drunk all the water in that canteen. You know what that means, don't you? I did the last 15 kilometres of that hike dry. And I remember, I remember, now this happened, I'm 43 years of age. This happened 33 years ago when I was 10. You can see what an impact it had on my life that I can still remember it. I remember finishing that, oh, it was only through the Lord's grace that I did it. I remember finishing that hike. Instead of coming in first, I was one of the very last. And I, you know, no one would share their water with me, by the way, on that hike at all. And I remember coming in last and seeing a tap. 
And I staggered over to the tap and I turned the tap on and I began to drink and it was like I couldn't. It was like I couldn't quench the thirst. And I drank and I drank and I drank until my stomach was extended and I was still thirsty. It seems to me today that we live in a city here in Sydney. We live in a culture. We live in a society full of thirsty, full of hungry people. And I'm not talking about physical thirst. I am talking about a thirst of the soul, a hunger of the soul that cannot and is not being quenched. You know, I have not always walked with Jesus Christ. I wish I had it. I didn't give my heart to Jesus until I was 26 years of age. You shouldn't have a lot of regrets in life, but I regret that I never gave my heart to Jesus sooner. I know what it's like to live without Jesus in my heart. I know what it's like to live without Jesus deep down in my soul. I know what it's like to thirst. I know what it's like to hunger and not have that thirst quenched. I'm talking about a thirst, a hunger of the soul. I know what it's like firsthand. I remember I would go out. I was living here in Sydney. I would go out at night. I would go to my party. I'd have my friends. I had money in those days. have none now. But I had it back then. And I would spend my money. I was having, by all intensive purposes, a, a, a good time. Everything was going well for me. But I would wake up in the middle of the night strangely thirsty. I was hungry. I would wake up disturbed, longing for something. I didn't know what it was. I could not find satisfaction no matter what I did. My girlfriend, she didn't quench this hunger. She didn't quench this thirst. My job, it didn't do it. My friends, they didn't do it. The money, it didn't do it. I was strangely thirsty. I was strangely hungry. And everywhere I go, people I meet in this city, this great city of Sydney, I'm seeing people experiencing the same thing I did without Jesus Christ in their lives. I remember, before we get into the Word, we're going to John chapter 4, sitting by the bedside of an old man. He was dying. He was on the Gold Coast. I was early in my ministry. And as he was dying, he was a wealthy man. He's a man who'd been successful. He's a man who had holiday homes. He's a man who'd been on holidays. He was a man who had many people working for him. He was a man of authority. He was a man of money. But this is where the rubber meets the road in life. And he was lying in his bed and he was dying. And there'll come a day if Jesus doesn't come where you too, where I will be lying in our beds. And if we, if we, if we are graced by the Lord, blessed by him, we will die in our beds and we too will face this moment. And as I grabbed his hand and I looked into his eyes, I saw a man that was dying, not just physically, but he was dying spiritually. He was dying without Jesus Christ. And I could see the hunger. I could see the thirst in his eyes. And I want to tell you, as try as I might, that that man who'd lived so many years apart from Jesus died. He died hungry. He died thirsty. And it was a tragedy. And if you're sitting in this church this morning, or if you're watching this on television, and you're hungry and you're thirsty and you know what I'm talking about. You can't find satisfaction no matter what you try. You're strangely experiencing this disquiet in your life. 
then this message, this story we're looking at today is for you. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. Everywhere Jesus went, they harassed him. They gave him trouble. They annoyed him. They got in the way of his ministry. The Pharisees were into tradition. The Pharisees were into laws. The Pharisees were into making life miserable by using religion. They made life miserable for the people. Jesus was into people. The Pharisees were threatened by Jesus. The Pharisees were threatened by his teachings. The Pharisees were threatened by his miracles. The the Pharisees were threatened by his popularity. The Pharisees were threatened by Jesus. And so they did everything they could to make Jesus' life miserable. And here's another another example in the story of Jesus of the Pharisees bickering and, and fighting amongst themselves and trying to get in the way of Jesus and his ministry. And the Bible says the Pharisees, verse 1 of chapter 4, heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but the disciples. When the Lord learned of this, Jesus wasn't a fighter. Jesus was here to save people. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Verse 4, look at this. Now he had to go through Samaria. Now if you have maps in the back of your Bible, or you want to go and check the internet, you'll find that Jesus, who was on his way to Judea, didn't have to go through Samaria at all. The reason he was going through Samaria is because Jesus knew that there was a woman there. And he knew that she was hungry. And he knew that she was thirsty. He knew that she needed something she could not find like so many of you out there do. So let's look what happened. Now he had to go through Samaria. So verse 5 says he came to the town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. It was lunchtime. Jesus had been travelling. It was dusty. It was dry. It was hot. He sat down by the well and like you or I would be, Jesus was physically thirsty. Verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, look at this, will you give me a drink? Jesus initiated, Jesus initiated the the contact between him and the woman. And this morning, there could be some of you here in this church, there could be some of you watching this on television, Jesus is through this message initiating contact with you. Praise God. Praise God. And he says to this Samaritan woman, will you give me a drink? Jews never talk to Samaritans. She was a Palestinian. This Palestinian-Israeli thing has been going on for centuries, for millennia. This story happened 2,000 years ago. But Jesus, although he was a Jew, came to save the world. He came to save Jews. He came to save Palestinians. He came to save Arabs. He came to save Iranians and Iraqis. He came to save Americans. He came to save Australians. He came to save people from Sydney. He came to save you. Let's look what this story says. Will you give me a drink, says Jesus. Verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew. And I am a Samaritan, a Palestinian woman. 
How can you ask me for a drink? But the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And now Jesus begins to work on this woman's heart. And he begins to work on this woman's heart as he's beginning to work on some of your hearts as you sit here, as you watch this this morning. Look at what Jesus says. Verse 10. He said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus said, I'm asking for a physical drink. But he said to this Samaritan woman who was wounded, who was hurt, who was going through pain, who was thirsty, who was hungry, who could find no satisfaction in life. He said, if you knew who it was who was sitting on this well, he said, you wouldn't be giving me a drink. He said, you'd be desperately asking me for a drink because he said to the Samaritan woman, as he says to you today, he says, I can give you living water. Whoa. Samaritan woman's never heard anything like this before. Perhaps you've never heard anything like this before. Jesus is offering the Samaritan woman living, living water. And Jesus is offering you this morning, he's offering you living water. It's what you need. It is this living water that will quench your thirst, that will satisfy your hunger, that will take away the yearning of your heart. Look what happens. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and this well is deep. Where can you get living water? She's starting to to work with Jesus here and he's starting to work with her. She knows he's not talking about physical water. She knows there's something deeper here because she says, Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this wealth and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water from this well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Jesus says to the woman, I'm offering you something different. It's not water from this well. It's special. It's water for the heart. It's water for the longing of the soul. It's water when you drink it, you will never thirst again. Oh, the woman, she's interested. She said, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to this well to draw water. Now, now Jesus knows this, this woman's starting to fool with him. Jesus knows that this woman realises he's, he's talking about the soul. He's talking about the heart. But this woman's starting to fool with him. And she says, well, give me this water and I won't have to come to this physical well to drink this physical water again. So Jesus... As only Jesus can, goes for the heart. He said to her, go call your husband and come back. Oh, that set the woman back a minute. She says in verse 17, I have no husband. She's damaged. She's hurt. She's wounded. And Jesus is going for her damaged, her hurt, her wounded heart. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to heal you, but you've got to let me. Now look what Jesus does. He said to her, yeah, you are right when you say you have no husband. 
The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. The Lord says you are damaged. You have been rejected by five different men. Five husbands. And the husband you have now is not your husband. You're just living with him. Jesus says, hey, your life is in a mess. You need me. Jesus is saying, I am the living water. He's saying, woman, my daughter, the, the, the young baby who grew up that I created, he's saying, let me into your heart. I will heal you. These other men haven't been able to. Jesus is saying, I am your saviour. I will. Jesus is saying, I am the living water. Take me on, says Jesus. You will never thirst again. You will never be dissatisfied. You will never hunger. You will never long for something you don't know what is because what you're longing for, woman, is me. The woman continues to argue with Jesus. But something strange is starting to stir in her heart because she is beginning to drink of the living water. She says, verse 19, I can see you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. She's trying to get Jesus into an argument. You know, whenever Jesus comes to us, often we will resist. We'll try and sidetrack the Lord. We'll argue with him about things that don't matter. But Jesus kept taking her back to what mattered and what mattered was her broken, wounded heart, her life that was lost. And Jesus says in verse 21, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when we will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. And then Jesus says, You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. He was saying, I'm from the Jews. I am your salvation. It does not matter where you worship. What matters is that you have me in your heart. He says, Yet a time is coming and has come now when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and truth the woman said I know the Messiah oh wow here we go it clicks in her head as Jesus is talking to her about her heart of the need for her to worship with the spirit in her life she, it clicks in her head hey this could be the Messiah she says, I know the Messiah called the Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything. She's really saying, I'm experiencing something here with you. You're meeting my needs like no one ever has before. I am starting to experience peace. With you, I got healing. I can, I can sense that you are offering me something I've never had before. And then she says, she's really saying, are you the Christ? And Jesus looks at her and he says, I who speak to you am he. Just as Jesus and the woman come to this place in their conversation, the disciples come back from town. The Bible says in verse 27, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, surprised to see him talking with a Samaritan, surprised to see Jesus talking with a Palestinian. Look, Jesus will talk to anybody. It doesn't matter where you've been, how dark you, your life has, has been, what you've experienced, what damage is done to you, how you feel about yourself, how low your self-esteem is, that, that sort of stuff. It doesn't matter with Jesus. Jesus will come to you. Jesus will talk to you. Jesus will try and save you. He will try to give you this water himself so you never thirst again. That's why he came. 
Jesus loves you and it's a deep love. And he loved this Samaritan woman, his daughter. And his disciples recognised something was going on because they never questioned him. They never asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Verse 28, and I like this. This woman's had an encounter with Jesus. She's drunk of the water of life. She's led Jesus into her heart. Because the Bible says in verse 28, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. The woman who had had the experience with Jesus then went back to her people, went back to her town, and she said, I have drunk of the water of life. I think that I have found something here that I have never experienced in my life before. I have drunk the water of life. The Bible says in verse 39, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And Jesus, because of this Samaritan woman, stayed in this Samaritan town, this Palestinian town, which he shouldn't have stepped a foot in if he was a traditional Jew. The Bible says he stayed there in verse 40 for two days. And because of the words... Many more became believers, verse 41. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. For 20 years I've been doing Bible studies with people. For 20 years I've been pushing gently people who are hungry and thirsty, who cannot find satisfaction into Jesus. And I want to tell you this morning as I close this Bible study, and I wish I had more time, but time is up. Jesus is the answer to the hunger and the thirst of your life. It's Jesus. And it is a simple thing to ask Jesus into your heart. It is to get onto your knees and say, Jesus, I am a sinner. Save me and he will begin, he will begin to satisfy your heart. He will take the longing, he will take the yearning away because he is there and you will be complete in him. That woman's life was changed forever because she met Jesus. And I pray today that you will have the same experience, that you will meet Jesus that you will let him into your heart and you will know then what it is like to live and never thirst or hunger again. May God bless your yearning soul with this experience today. Thank you, Jesus, for being here. Thank you for what you did for that woman. And what you did for her, Lord, may you also do for us. In your name. Amen.